Now, if you were here last week, raise your hand. Were you in the service last week? Did it get funky in here last week or what? I am telling you, man, that was so much fun. I just couldn't get over it just watching how people just let God do something crazy in their life. And I just love that. So today, we're going to go back to where we started last week. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and nobody comes to the Father but through me. Now, it, it might help us to understand what it means to live the way, to live the truth, and live the life. Because Jesus did not make it as complicated as we made it in church. I grew up in a church that was heavy on truth. Let me, in other words, I grew up in a church that was good about telling me what was wrong with me. Y'all ever grow up in a church like that? I mean, I grew up in a church where, I mean, it was fire, brimstone, a lot of judgment, and a lot of finger pointing. I mean, I can remember as a kid sitting there thinking, I'm not that bad. I mean, truly, surely I'm not that bad. You know, by the time I realized that it was my sin that caused Jesus to give his life, that I might have life, that was about the time I started realizing, well, yeah, I really am kind of that bad. But, you know, what, Jesus loves me anyway. And when I, 10 years ago, when y'all were silly enough to let me become the pastor of this church, I thought to myself, how cool would it be is when you left church every day on Sunday, you thought, I can do this. In the power of Christ, I can go live in a way where I can love God with all my heart, mind, and soul. I can love others as I love myself, and I genuinely can enjoy the journey. And I thought, let's be that church. So when people ask me, what kind of church is Sugar Hill Church? One of the things I like to say is we're a Jesus is enough kind of church. And folks will say, well, are you Methodist? Are you Baptist? Are you Presbyterian? Are you Episcopalian? We're a church that believes Jesus is enough. Now, I'm, I'm, I'm gonna have to work with y'all a little bit, I can see. I understand it's summer. I, get, I got a few folks sticking with me here, but we're going to practice here, all right? Because when I get done with a nine o'clock service, let me just tell you, those folks are dead as a hammer. I, could give, I couldn't give out $100 bills to get an amen from a nine o'clock crowd. I had one lady at nine o'clock that was hanging with me, and all she would do is go, mm-hmm. And about every four minutes, I'd hear somebody go, mm-hmm. I thought, well, I can live with that. So we're going to practice. On three, you're going to give me your best, mm-hmm. Now, let me just stop and say, if you are 50-plus and you're in this room and you don't want to go, mm-hmm, it's okay. It's all right. Just because you're a Satan worshiper doesn't mean that we love you anyway. I'm kidding. Don't send me those meals, all right? Here we go. We're going to practice on three. Ready? One, two, three. That didn't hurt you. The sky didn't open up and lighten and fall. I mean, we can do this. We're going to try another one this time. This time I want amen with attitude. Like you could sit there and say, mm -hmm, amen. You could do that. Or you could hear something that the, the spirit of God says, yeah, that's good. And you can say, amen. Like just give you a little emphasis on the A. All right, are you ready? All right, let's try it. One, two, three. Amen. Now think about that. See? You can do this. You really can. We're going to try one more, all right? Now, this is for those of you that grew up in, like, a more charismatic church. Like, if you grew up in a church of God or assemblies of God, this is not new to you. If you grew up like I did in a deeply Southern Baptist church, this may just struggle. You may struggle with this one, all right? Try this one. Yes. All right? One, two, three. Yes. Now, let's just take a poll here. How many of y'all cannot do any of those three? Anybody? There, see, I knew we had some of those folks in the room, and it's okay. You don't have to, but can I just say to you, I just love it when you do. 
I just love it when you do. All right? So we're going to talk a little bit about Jesus today. The way, the truth, and the life. I absolutely love this church. I love our community. But it's often messy to love people in the way, the truth, and the life because we are a representation of God's kingdom. And you know what? Oftentimes, we don't look like it. Friends, listen, in a world full of outrage and judgment, fear and posturing, caricature, all those things, I especially appreciate how our community and our church has figured out how to love people across different lines. We, we, we can even love people that don't vote like us, who, who don't look like us, who don't agree with us, uh, who, who don't live in another part of the world that we live in. Listen to what Jesus had to say in John 13, 34. He said, so now I'm giving you a new commandment. Jesus had to drop this and say, this is a new commandment. And you say, well, why would Jesus, in the time that he was walking on the face of the earth, where people can see him and know him, why would he say, I have to give you a new commandment? For the same reason he has to remind us of that today. There is a better way, not ours. I give you a new commandment, Jesus says. He says, love each other just as I have loved you. You should love each other. Your love for one another will prove to the world, you are my disciples. Now, let me just stop and ask you, how many of you this week at some point got angry? Can I see your hands? How many of you got angry? Okay, good. How many of you felt like that anger was righteous? Can I see your hands? Good to be in a room full of sinners. That's awesome. Now, I have done that too. I have felt some righteous anger. I felt some anger. I've felt some pettiness, all the above. One of my favorite authors is a fellow by the name of Tim Keller. He happens to be a Presbyterian. (gasps) That is the only time that guy's ever said amen in his entire life. I mean, the the frozen chosen right now are thinking, (gasps) Tim Keller once said that real tolerance doesn't require us to abandon our convictions. He goes on, he says, real tolerance, he says, is revealed by how our convictions lead us to treat other people who disagree with us. Tolerance that tolerates only people who think, believe, vote, and live like us is not tolerance at all. It is covert prejudice at best and thinly veiled hatred at worst. It is scorn covered in a mask of insincere niceness now watch this we do that really well here in the deep south don't we well bless your heart and we all know what that means don't we you blessed fool you I mean we know what that means right because we cover it with a smile and sweet tea but I just want to remind you that Jesus gave us no out Jesus at no time said, love one another as I've loved you unless they're a Democrat. All right, Chuck, you've gone to meddling now. Love one another as I've loved you unless they're a Republican. Love one another as I've loved you unless they agree with you ideologically, philosophically, even theologically. No, Jesus gave you no out. 
You say, but Chuck, I want to hang on to that little crevice in my heart for that group of people because you don't understand how vile they are. Now watch me. Are you ready? I wonder if we understand how vile we are. Because when we stand before God, do you really think God looks at the gossip and looks at the terrorist and ranks those? Because it's been clear here that the Lord has said, we've all come short of the glory of God. I wonder if sometimes if followers of Jesus ought to remind ourselves that we have got to learn to stay true to our beliefs and our convictions. But friend, let me ask you a question. Do you have any convictions that are yours? I worry today that we, we take our favorite news program and they become our convictions. I take Don Lemons from CNN and that's my conviction. I take a little Sean Hannity from Fox News and that's my conviction. I take a little bit of this and I take a little bit of that. But the question is, when Jesus said, love one another as I have loved you, is that the bedrock of who we are and what he's done for us? Or is it simply easier to find a pocket of people and retain hatred, bigotry, and anger and pettiness against them because I want to hang on to that little bit of my heart. We've got to stay true to our beliefs and our convictions, but we've also got to learn to genuinely love and listen and serve to those who do not share our beliefs or our convictions, and we must learn to do them both simultaneously. You see, the challenge for us, folks, is that we like to hang on to what we want to hang on to. And Jesus says, no, love one another as I've loved you. Now, now watch this. In a world that is so polarized today, we often assume everything is in an extreme. So Jesus said, I have to love one another, so I got to be besties and sweet with everybody. At no time did Jesus say, be besties and sweet with everybody. But he also said, there's no room for hatred. Almost everything you can find in the Gospels points to a road of reason that Jesus says you can love one another, but you don't have to be best buddies, but you do have to respect them and love them because they're my creation. You say, but Chuck, do you know how wrong they are? Do you know how wrong it is to harbor the hatred toward them? Two of those wrongs do not make love. They just make hate. Jesus left us no room in his commandment to find our own tiny pocket of power or hatred and hold on to it like it was gold. Can you imagine what the world might have been like if Gandhi had chosen Jesus over his faith? Let me sit on that one for a minute. A person has been quoted billions of times. What if that person had chosen Jesus over his faith? Gandhi's reported to have said when he had the opportunity to choose Jesus, he said, I like your Christ, but I do not like your Christians. Your Christians are so unlike your Christ. I had a woman after this past service, she made a point, she made a beeline to find me and she said, Pastor Chuck, Pastor Chuck. I said, yes. She said, did you know Gandhi was a pedophile? She was fired up. I had to swallow a little bit of my own medicine. Say thank you. Thank you so much for sharing that. 
And it made me think, thank you for making the point that Jesus says, we've got to deal with this heart, this one. See, I can't fix Gandhi. I, I can't fix Washington. Man, I can't, I can't fix Atlanta. I can't even fix all my kids. But I'm telling you, the power of Christ, I can fix this. Jesus didn't just tell us to love others, though. He set himself as an example of how we should love each other. He told his disciples to love each other the same way that he loved them. John 13, 34, just as I've loved you, you should love each other. How did Jesus love other people? He loved them with an everlasting love. He he picked people that were the, literally, you wouldn't have picked any of the 12 disciples, none of them. None of them. You certainly wouldn't have said, Peter, you're up to preach at Pentecost. And yet Jesus picked all the people that nobody else would have picked. Now do me a favor, just look around, just swivel your head around, look at the people around you. Go ahead, just look around. I know some of y'all are too cool to do this, but go ahead, look around. You know what you see? Weirdos. They're everywhere. You know how I know that? God made no mistake when he made you perfectly weird the way you are. Had a wonderful perspective for you. Has this wonderful life for you. But he also said in John 15, 12, this is my commandment. Love each other in the same way I have loved you. In all your weirdness, love me the way I've loved you. How did he love you? He loved you enough to leave heaven, to be born in a stable, in a family with no money to have to run from the authorities to Egypt to come back to preach at 12 years old live a sinless perfect life and give his life on an old rugged cross after being beaten and scorned so that you could have life in abundance and have life for eternity but that comes because of the grace of Jesus not because you earned it but it also comes and promised in the truth of his word. You see, if you got grace and you got truth, you put the two together and you got the gospel. But I, I, I want to remind us that if we don't value this combination of grace and truth, rather than being a light to the world, we'll simply risk becoming products of the world. If we cling zealously to our, to our convictions but choose not to love, listen to, and serve those who do not share those convictions, we become products of a moralistic culture, not a gospel-centric culture. And this is greatly important. I grew up in a church that wanted to tell me how to be moral. Listen to me, church. You can't make the world moral, but you can tell the world about Jesus. Because if we want the world to be moral, we got to get Jesus right. You say, well, Chuck, listen, until we deal with abortion or until we deal with, you just name every issue in the world. This is why to get Jesus right is the only thing that matters. He'll get everything else right. You can't chase after morality and change the world. You just chase after Jesus and let him. Truth without grace is unwelcoming and shaming. I live that. But grace without truth is cowardly and enabling. And you put those two together and you got the gospel. Aren't you glad 
that Jesus loved you in spite of who you are? Yeah, but Chuck, they stole my election. What, what you going to do about changing it? Seriously. Why, why are you angry about that? Well, Chuck, I, you know, I just don't like it. Oh, okay, but it's Sunday, July 25th, 2021. And if you'll stop worrying about that and worry about your heart, Jesus will sort the rest out. Yeah, but Chuck, listen, those folks right there, do you know that they've changed my voting rights? Okay, well, if you, you can't change that today, it's July 25, 2021. All you got to worry about is your heart. Well, what am I going to do about my heart? Let truth and grace reign in the presence of the Spirit of God. Because only by combining grace and truth, love and law, compassion and conviction, kindness and a call to repentance, can the gospel be faithfully embodied in our life. But we can grab that. It has to be lived in an actual adoption and power found in Jesus' command that we love one another and love our neighbor. Say, well, Chuck, but I, I, give me a handle. What do I do tomorrow morning to try to love others? Well, what if your day started like this? God, would you, through the presence of your spirit, rule my heart and my mind and my emotions so that I might love one another, especially with those that disagree with me? Look right here, church. Look right here. I've, met a, I've never met a person who's bowed their knee to Jesus because a Christian screamed at them about their morals. And because of that, they were attracted to Christ. Mm. Somewhere in the middle of all this, we live in societies where our leaders judge and condemn and ridicule anyone who questions or challenges their point of view. The only point of view that matters is God's. And by the way, he hadn't asked what our thought is because he's the one that bought and paid for us through the blood of his son, the Lord Jesus Christ. We should follow Jesus. This is the model. Jesus said that loving others is the second most important thing right behind loving God with all your heart and your mind and your soul. I, I want you to know, friend, listen, every time that we choose to take on a television personality's adoption of conviction, we are literally saying, God, why don't you bend down here a little bit more so I can slap your face one more time? And you say, well, Chuck, I'd never do that to God. We do it every day. Well, my way's better. I understand those people. Chuck, I've been called to this world to tell people they're wrong. Well, bless your heart. Now, let me just stop in it and, and admit that right now, there are about 40 people in this room by percentage that are saying, you doggone right I am. And I guess my question to you would be, what if you were to turn that voice into a voice that would say, let me tell you a better way found in Jesus, my Lord. Well, Chuck, I, you know what? My faith is private. Okay, now let, let me be clear here. If your faith is private, then hush. That one hurts, doesn't it? It did me too. 
Luke 6, 36 says, you must be compassionate just as your father is compassionate. Chuck, I got to be compassionate now? I mean, first I got to love, now I got to actually care? Well, if, if you're going to walk with Jesus, yeah. But now, if, let me ask you, how, how's your life going in your own way? I mean, all I've got to do is look just to my left or right and figure out my way's not working. I need a better way. Luke 6, 37 said, do not judge others and you will not be judged. Hello, I'll take that promise. You know what? Let me lay down that judgment because I don't want somebody to judge me. You know why? I am the chief hypocrite of Sugar Hill Church. I know what it's like to harbor hate and bitterness and envy. And I know what that's like. And you know what I've learned? There's a better way. Jesus goes on and says, don't condemn others or it'll all come back against you. Whoo. Forgive others and you'll be forgiven. Are you angry? You mad? You upset with the world? Don't judge others and you won't be judged. You say, well, Chuck, that sounds like walk a mile in their shoes. No. It's Jesus is already walking with them. Why don't you just trust him? We're even to love our enemies and do good to those who hate us. I mean, Jesus says this, it's so counterintuitive. But Chuck, they did bad stuff to me, I'm gonna do bad stuff to them. You know what that's called? Dumb. I mean, because you can't fix that. Why don't we just focus on the one thing we know Jesus can fix? And that's our heart. It's our heart. I'm the problem. I need my heart changed. How about you? Luke 6, 27 says this. But to you who are willing to listen, I say, love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who hurt you. If someone slaps you on one cheek, offer the other cheek also. If someone demands your coat, offer your shirt also. Give to anyone who asks. And when things are taken away from you, don't try to get them back. Do to others as you would have them do to you. And you say, Chuck, but that's for Jesus, not for me. No, that was Jesus' teaching to us. That, that's how we're to do it. You say, well, Chuck, I can't do that. That right there, I can't do that. Here's the good news. You're right. In your own humanity, you have no prayer of doing that. I'm telling you, I can't get from here to my office doing that on my own power. But I'm telling you, when I say, Jesus, would you step into my life and forgive me? Give me a new life. I want to turn my life around. I want to live for you. And I want to thank you that you died for me and you rose from the dead for me so that I could take on that spirit of God living and dwelling with me. I and you and you and me. And when I surrender, I can do that through the power of Christ who lives in me. Our challenge here, folks, is pretty simple. Our challenge is we're trying to do it all on our own. And Jesus is saying, but I've got a way for you. Sometimes I think the church has forgotten how to raise the right hallelujah. We raise a hallelujah when, when somebody pats us on the cheek and pats us on the head and makes us feel good about life. But all the while, Jesus is saying, it's still a new commandment because you just can't figure it out. Love one another. So every morning this week, I'm going to put on the church's Facebook page and my Facebook page. And if you don't do Facebook, bless you. 
But I'm going to put a reminder every morning that has this one simple thought. God, reign in my life so that my heart, my mind, and my emotions are in line with your will so that I can love you and love others as you've instructed. In Jesus' name, amen, amen, and amen. So let me leave you with one question. Samuel L. Jackson is making a lot of money saying, what's in your wallet? So I'd ask you this question, what's in your heart? Is it bitterness and anger? Is it hatred? Because Jesus has a better way. And you know, all, all you do in that is you don't have to fix you. You just surrender to him. I mean, I mean it's, it's, it's not like you can be good enough for Jesus. I mean, you, you just surrender to him. But Chuck, I don't know how to do that. Watch this. Jesus. I want to raise a hallelujah to you. I, I want you to take the right priority in my life. I don't even know how to do that, but Jesus, I'm asking you to come into my life and clean me up and make me new. Man, if that's the desire of your heart, make that your prayer right now. Jesus, count me in on that prayer right now. And I want to thank you that you died for me, even for the hatred that's in my life. You died for me, and you rose from the dead, even with the hatred in my heart, because you love me with an everlasting love. That's worth a raising, a hallelujah. So I would just ask you, what's in your heart? Father, we thank you and praise you for the fact that your truth, your word always leads us to grace because you loved us in spite of ourselves, And because of that, we raise a hallelujah to you, the only one worthy. We do that in the matchless and mighty name of Jesus, our Lord, our Savior, and our King. And everybody said, Amen. Come on, let's worship the Lord before we go. Come on. Come on, you ain't singing. Come on, church. Come on, church.
is worthy. He is worthy. He is worthy. So today, as you leave this place, let this worthy one go before you and make a way and make your crooked path straight. That's what he does. Man, let him get in the right priority of your life because he'll go within you. Bring you peace, joy, fulfillment, and contentment because he is always good and you are always loved. And man, things do get difficult. And when they do, let this dear Savior come behind you and pick you up and carry you, not around the problem, but right through the middle of it. Only to set you down victoriously on your two feet and wipe away your tears and kiss you on the forehead and wrap his loving arms around you so you can feel him and hear him say to you, my child, say it with me, I love you. God bless y'all, go to peace.